Welcome, Welcome to your online coffee break, where we discuss bite-sized topics that inspire, educate, and entertain. Here's your host, a software innovator, award-winning marketer, and astronomy and space buff, Chuck Fields. Getting satellites into space is getting cheaper and easier every day. And companies are responding by sending thousands of satellites into Earth orbit, creating a huge data processing problem. Today's guest is responding to that. Her name is Sylvia France. Sylvia is president of Orbit's Edge, a startup company on Florida's space coast that helps companies collect and process huge amounts of data above the cloud. This amazing company is working to create robust data centers in space, helping to reduce bottlenecks in data processing, ranging from not only satellite images, but also to speed up financial transactions and support the growing entertainment industry as well. Your space journey. Hi, I'm Danielle Spinola with Tupelo Honey Tea. My, my space journey began probably with either the Challenger launching or the movie Space Camp. I think it was in somewhere in the mid 80s. I really fell in love with space and the whole idea of being able to go up into the stars. And so that's kind of where um, my first, my, my love for, for space began. I think I'm most excited for the future of space exploration um, to find life on another planet or moon um, somewhere out there. I think um, finding water and and then the uh, possibility of actual life somewhere else really excites me. Online Coffee Break. Sylvia, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm really glad to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Now, I, I love this. I understand you're a self-proclaimed space baby. You also have a tremendous amount of startup experience. I was wondering if you could tell us just a little bit more about your background. The reason I'm a self-proclaimed um, space baby is I was actually born in Orlando because of the space industry down there. Mm. My dad actually was working for a subcontractor for the Gemini mission. And he was a purchasing manager and actually bought all the components for, at that time, it was a chest pack. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting times because these engineers were asking for things that did not exist. Um, so he would go to Radio Shack or wherever he could figure out to go and kind of, you know, make these, include these um, different components together. Wow. And so it's kind of interesting, and he's also lived in Melbourne as well. Hmm. And when I was growing up, and it actually is still in his office today, he has a certificate of associate engineering, it's a degree, by osmosis. Oh, wow. And so everybody that he worked with was just so, um, you know, it, it was one of those things that was a team effort. You know, these engineers mm-hmm. would come up with great ideas, but if you don't have the pieces and parts to put them together, you know, it didn't exist. Right. So they just appreciated and recognized his ingenuity um, with this associate engineering degree by osmosis. That is amazing. Now, how did, yes. you, how did you get into it? Because, again, you have this, again, wonderful startup experience. Tell me a little bit more about that and sort of what led you into Orbit's Edge. Um, well, it's interesting because I actually cut my teeth um, in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. So I actually have a specialty in creating markets that have never existed before. 
So a good example is this thing on your phone that we rely on every day, which is mapping. I worked with a company who actually did personal navigation before there was even GPS, because remember that was defense. Mm -hmm. So this company actually, it was called ETAC in Menlo Park. Um, the the um, founder actually was a yachtsman, which I think is kind of interesting. And he had <laughs> sold the company to News Corp at the time, because News Corp had realized early on that what was very special about the mapping was not the maps itself, but actually the information that you could put on top of it. Mm, yes. So Stan Honey actually created a, a computer system that actually counted wheel rotation. And it was in mm. the back of a car, the trunk of a car. And then we were actually digitizing that 24-7. Oh, my gosh. So the first time that anyone ever heard of this whole idea of personal navigation, um, that was my work. I was actually at the Consumer Electronics Show, and it was kind of fun that we weren't even at the show, <laughs> but we're in the Wall Street Journal, the Chicago Tribune, because wow. um, we had partnered with Toshiba and Blaupunk, and it was just it was it was a total mind shift yeah. of not you know going to the gas station and getting a paper map, and sure. so um, that's kind of you know my background and why I was actually called. It's a fun story that the one of the co-founders, his name is Bentley Radcliffe, mm -hmm. um, he, we've actually worked together at Apple in Silicon Valley wow. um, many years ago. And so we stayed really good friends. And, you know, because of this whole, I mean, space, you're creating markets that don't exist. I right. mean, you get this, you know, I was actually talking to an investor this morning, and he's like, so what is your case study? And you have... Case studies today about imaging and sense, you know, types of different sensing applications. But you know, mm -hmm. in space with what we do, there's there's markets that we don't even know exist and right. only can imagine. So that's why we brought in on the team. See that is so and true. I also, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting that especially with what we're doing with the stat frame. So the stat frame is pretty much it's a it's a box where we protect hardware and software designed on Earth from the harsh environment of space. So we take out the necessity of hardware being ruggedized, which is huge because, as you know, ruggedization takes 10 to 15 years, mm -hmm. and literally you can launch, you know, current hardware and software that was produced, you know, six weeks before launch and put it up in the air. See, that and is... And so... I was going to say that that is just amazing. And what I, what I wanted to kind of do, and I want to talk about the sufferings a little bit more detail in a second, but, you know, these past few years, you know, especially lately getting satellites into space, it's become cheaper and easier than ever. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'd love to know sort of what problems is that creating for processing data in space? Well, the problem is, is there's so much, you know, there's a new satellite going up, you know, every two weeks, you yes. know, especially with SpaceX and the reduction of launch costs. Mm-hmm. You know, you can put tiny CubeSats up, you know, very, very cheap. And I think I've heard, you know, there's going to be like 30,000 satellites, you know, within the next five years. Yeah, it's crazy. Very large number. Mm -hmm. And what is happening is they're producing all of this data, but they have to beam all the data back down to Earth before it can be processed. Right. So we came up with this infrastructure as a service where these satellites can actually beam us their information, you know, and then we can actually clean it up, 
you know, purge the information that's either bad or irrelevant, and we can do that processing in space. So we like to say that we're, we do cloud computing or edge computing above the cloud. I love because that. <laughs> we know, yeah, so we know that, you know, as, as we colonize Mars and also the moon as well, is that we're going to have to have an ability to process data up in space. And I just got back from, you know, Satellite 2020. Yes. And, you know, it was, everybody was, you know, having this new type of satellite going up that's going to measure X, Y, Z. But the, always the question is, what are you going to do with the data? How are you going to analyze it? See, you I, know, think having, that, I think that's so so important. I mean, because like, like you mentioned, I mean, it's, it's an orbital data bottleneck. I mean, it comes down to processing power, memory capacity. Mm-hmm bandwidth and latency so how does exactly. how does orbit's edge sort of handle that like what what is it I, I guess you know you compare that to 5g and other stuff how does orbit's edge kind of solve that problem well, well we solve the problem because we don't have to beam everything down to earth i mean yeah. it's really nice that you know you know it's 70 percent of the ocean at any one time is covered by clouds okay right? mm-hmm. if you can't see what's under the clouds that's an issue but, you know, for right now, we don't know if it's good or bad clouds support is all being down to earth. So what they could actually do is beam all of that information to us, all these pictures, and we could actually delete all of the pictures that are just clouds. So you can't see, you know, a ship or oil tanks or, uh-huh. you know, count the cars in a parking lot. So what we can do is we can actually expedite getting those valuable insights because you don't have to beam it all the way down to earth. You don't have that latency. You can, you know, get it immediately, you know, with the software or hardware to analyze it. And then we just trickle down the relevant insight. See, that makes so much sense too, because I understand, are you using AI for that to kind of determine, you know, what is the relevant data or not? Well, what's really kind of cool about our system is that we're actually hardware and software agnostic. Ah. So, for example, if, they have an AI application that they're running here on Earth, they could actually run it on our system. You know, there's nothing special that they need to do. Oh, very nice. So we've been talking to, you know, NASA and the DOD, and they characterize us as an, an enabler. So mm-hmm. we are going to allow um, companies to get to space three to five years faster because they're not going to have to hire aerospace expertise. They're not, they can use their IT systems on Earth, you know, just in space very easily. See, I think that's fantastic. Now, let's let's talk more about, you mentioned the SAT frame earlier. Let's talk more about the SAT frame. I believe yours, mm-hmm. your model 445LE, um, sort of basically, I guess, think of it as a standard rack in space with some enhancements. Exactly. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. I mean, what we do is we have thermal control. So, you know, there's the extreme, you know, hot and cold of space. So we're able to mitigate that. And we're also going to have um, custom software that helps with that as well. We're going to have radiation mitigation. Mm -hmm. And then we're also going to have power management as well. And that's really, you know, that stat frame and that box is really our secret sauce. You know, that is our intellectual property that's different than anything else that's out there today. Right. See, I think that's wonderful. And... uh, as I understand, sort of the plans are to launch, uh, your first initial plans are to launch a 300-kilogram satellite in the first flight demonstration yeah. with the hardware. Can you tell us more about that and the timeline for it? Sure. Um, we're hoping to 
fly to that plane in 2021. And we we actually have an agreement with Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, or HPE. And so we are actually going to fly a microdata center in space. And why that's important is that HPE actually is committed that they're going to have computing in space. Mm-hmm. They've actually already demonstrated that on the ISS with their Apollo system, for, and it was up there for about a year and a half, mm-hmm. and they're getting ready to put another one on the ISS. Wow. Um, so what's really cool, I mean, you can think of the SAT frame as kind of like a mini ISS. So it's protecting that hardware and software that's already up there, you know, from the rigors of space. And, you know, one of the other major advantages of our solution is that, again, we don't have to take that 10 to 15 years. So we can have, you know, that computing power that we can put up in that, that frame is just magnitude greater than what you, what they have today, both on the ISS and in other SAT frames or in other sets. So that's going to be fantastic. Now, as far as the application, the potential applications for this are, are tremendous. I mean, there's ways of processing images directly. Um, even financial transactions can be affected because they can have extreme low latency. Can you tell us a little bit more about the potential applications? Uh, sure. The other fun that we like to talk about as well is actually entertainment. Yes. You know, with all of this space um, tourism that's going on. Mm-hmm. The and also with augmented reality as well. So uh-huh. literally, we could actually put cameras up on the fat frame, and we could, you know, have real-time imagery, and you can apply that to gaming and esports. Or, you know, Hewlett Packard Enterprise is actually fueling the Star Wars experience. Oh, you know, wow. and so how could you augment that as well? And I have a really good friend who um, who works for Disney. Just wouldn't it be cool if you could actually, you know, if you really want to stretch your brain, is that they could have a, a resort, you know, on Mars or on the moon. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a, there's a lot of applications there as well, besides, you know, the traditional, you know, AI and, you know, the whole high-performance computing well, Sylvia, that is tremendous. Well, we're so excited uh, just about the future of Orbit's Edge, and we just wish you and your company um, so much success. And just thank you so much for joining me today. Really do appreciate it. Oh, anytime. Thank you. Online Coffee Break. Wow, I really enjoyed my conversation with Sylvia today. Hope you did too. If you'd like to learn more about Orbit's Edge, just go to their website at orbitsedge.com. I want to thank Sylvia for joining us today. I want to thank you for joining us as well. If you like today's topic, we'd really appreciate it if you'd share this episode with a friend or give us a like or a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you next time. God bless.